there. You're listening to episode number 12 of the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners. And if this is your first time here, thank you for stopping by. As we begin today's episode, I invite you, as always, to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and listen with an open heart. But first, again, the usual disclaimer, I am not a therapist or a counselor. Nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. I'd like to begin today's episode um, with a couple of shout outs. Um, the first one is to When the Bow Breaks podcast. Um, I am so looking forward to our coming, um, our future work together. Um, host for When the Bow Breaks, um, Alexis Erilyn. Um, Alexis, I'm, I'm looking forward to connecting with you really, really soon. And the second shout out goes out to the Foundation for Family and Community Healing. I am so, so grateful and excited for our collaboration and work together. And um, for our listeners, stay tuned for more information to come um, regarding both of these (laughs) Um, shout outs. Uh, More information to come on a future episode of When the Bow Breaks um, podcast and um, the additional collaboration and work with the Foundation for Family and Community Healing. Like every other episode, let's begin with a couple of quotes. Open minds lead to open doors. An open mind is a prerequisite to an open heart. And finally, a third one for today. The degree of your mindset will confine you just as the breadth of your open heartedness will set you free. Okay, today's episode uh, is titled, How Did We Get Here? Um, Rooting Out the Reasons for Estrangement. And when I contemplated today's episode, um, it came on the heels of a particularly frustrating week um, of things that I had heard, things I had read regarding Um, and mainly from estranged parents regarding their belief and reasons for estrangement. Um, This also came with a newsletter that I get um, from Dr. Joshua Coleman and in which he laid out and listed um, the reasons um, for estrangement from the perspective of the parents and then uh, a separate one from the perspective of the um, adult children. And it always fascinates me. It is so utterly fascinating to me that the reasons for estrangement from the parents' perspective and the adult child's perspective are, are just on opposite ends of the spectrum. There's, there's like no crossover at all. (laughs) Um, when, you know, usually in relationships you can find some sort of, um, 
commonality or a thread that kind of intertwines and, and kind of links things together in some way, even if it's not super obvious and things like that. But just there's some something that you can go, oh, okay, you, you believe that and I believe that. And when it comes to estrangement, I, I, I don't see that at all. And when I talk with estranged parents and when I talk with estranged adult children, I hear these same things that Dr. Coleman laid out in this new, these newsletters that he um, issued from the perspective of each one. I, it's the same thing. They're just completely nowhere within it. It's almost as if they're not even in the same ballpark, let alone play in the same ball game. It is that different. Um, and so I wanted to kind of lay out some of the things that I hear from, again, from estranged parents, from estranged adult children, from the, the professionals in the field, um, from my own experience, and kind of see if I can help both the estranged parent and the estranged adult child to see it from different perspectives. Now, that being said, um, I, my pers- my, I come at estrangement from a very different perspective than most people. Um, and I got here to this perspective from my own estrangement journey, my own interpersonal work, my reconciliation with my children, and the relationship that we have today. And please know that if you are um, an estranged parent and, and you have either you're at the beginning of your estrangement journey um, or you've it's been ongoing for years and you've had zero contact with your adult child, um, I, I understand that you may not be at, at this, this point that I'm at. I understand that. But I think that there is value in listening to people who have quote unquote been there, done that, right? And what worked for them and what worked for them may not work for you. However, coming at it from a perspective of, uh, with a sense of curiosity and saying, well, I wonder what if, I wonder how would that apply to my situation? Could it apply to my situation? Um, and those types of questions. And that's what, um, that's kind of the foundation of today's episode that I'd like for you to come at this with is just this try to have an open mind. Um, and again, I'm not, please, please don't send me the hate mail. I'm not trying to tell you that this is the way and that this is the gospel and that this is the truth for everybody. That's not what I'm saying. But for just as many people there are out there that are feel like they're at the end of the road, there is no help, there is no hope for their particular estrangement experience, just the same. There are people out there that do still have hope, that are curious, that are trying to figure this out. And perhaps those are the folks that I'm talking to today. So um, again, I, I think that coming at life in general with a sense of curiosity can be super, super helpful um, because it tends to open more doors um, than coming at it from a a stance of 
well, I, this is my experience and I know my kid and I know what they're doing and period, end of story. This is the way that it is. So if that's working for you and getting you the results that you want in your life, more power to you. For those of you that that's not working for you, maybe listen to today's episode and I'm hoping that you'll gain a few nuggets here and there throughout this episode that, that will spark some curiosity, might give you some things to quote, like I say, quote unquote, chew on for a little bit of time and really think about how, how does this apply to my estrangement experience? Does it apply to my estrangement experience? Could it apply? Um, and, and take it from there. So, um, I generally hear a lot of, um, when we talk about, you know, how did we get here? I, I hear a lot of uh, accusing, a lot of accusations, a lot of pointing fingers and very little questioning and curiosity. Um, and, and I think that that's where we're at this stalemate, just an, an absolute stalemate. Um, and why a lot of people can't get and gain traction um, is because of that. So I, I kind of broke this down into um, th- mm, three different parts of um, estrangement. And um, the, first, the first part is, um, is what I see that comes from estranged parents. And the second part is what I see comes from um, estranged adult children. And then the third part is what I call um, beneath the surface. And um, that beneath the surface is um, basically my kind of my perspective and what I've learned um, throughout my experience and learned through my sense of curiosity um, and trying to, you know, do research and, and just look at a lot of different possibilities um, as to how we get to where we are. So the first one is, you know, the different avenues that lead to estrangement according to the parents. Um, and, and this is what I see the majority of the time, not every time. Again, if you don't believe this, I'm not talking to you. Um, if, but this is what I see in the majority of cases from the parents. Um, they believe that the estrangement um, came solely from either um, a divorce um, situation, a divorce and or um, parental alienation when children were little and one parent alienated um, the children against the other parent or um, sometimes there's a, a divorce as when the children are, are um, older teens, young adults, um, and there still can be that parental alienation going on. Um, the second thing is um, mental illness, um, and you'll learn a little bit later on in the um, episode my take on mental illness, um, or really my take on on all of these things. Um, so the second one is mental illness that there's some some sort of, and I hear the most the thing I hear the most often um, from both estranged parents and and estranged adult children is calling each other, calling the other party, um, narcissistic. Um, if I never hear that word again, it would be too soon. Um, I think that we're, it's, we just so easily slap that label on people without truly understanding its definition. And then 
again, that sense of curiosity, how did this person become narcissistic? Why did this person become narcissistic? Right? You know, this, this, just side note, you know, coming back to that sense of curiosity again, your sense of curiosity led you to this podcast. Your sense of curiosity leads you to go try a new restaurant. Your sense of curiosity leads you to do all the things in life that you do that you've never done before. And so if you are trying to get out of estrangement, having a sense of curiosity as to how did we get here so we can correct that if possible, how can I change things if possible, how can I, all of those things, all of that comes from a sense having a sense of curiosity. So the way my brain works is if there's a divorce and parental, parental alienation, I want to know why. What, what caused that to happen for that other person or those other people? What did I contribute to that at all? And it's not a, you know, I'm not pointing fingers and saying everybody contributed to everything. And therefore, you know, all of this is your fault. That's not what I'm saying. I am simply saying coming at this from a sense of curiosity of, huh, I wonder without, huh, I really wonder, and with that, you know, proverbial finger pointing, that's not what I'm talking about. Those are they're two very different things. Okay, so back to, back to the topic. Um, different avenues that lead to estrangement according to the parents. Divorce slash parental alienation. Mental illness. Another one is drug and alcohol addiction. Um, and those, you know, there are different... Again, I, I come back to the why... You know, um, as Dr. Gabor Mate says, it's not why the addiction, but why the pain. Um, so any sort of addiction is covering up pain, whether it's an addiction to shopping, an addiction to sex, an addiction to food, an addiction to drug or alcohol, whatever the addiction is, the addiction to work, the person is getting something from that addiction to cope with something else in their life. Okay, I digress again. Sorry about that. Okay, <laughs> back to the list. So we've covered divorce, parental alienation, mental illness, drug and alcohol addictions, and then the 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 um, in-laws, um, also known as the gatekeeper um, situation. So generally, when the when the child um, adult child goes off and gets married, and they have a wife or a husband, and then that wife or husband, um, according to the estranged parent, seems to get in the way, um, gatekeep communication and contact with the parent, things like that. So those are the the four main things that I see most often from the estranged parents as to why the estrangement has happened. Now let's talk about from the estranged uh, adult children's perspective. Generally what I see from and hear from them um, is the, one of the biggest, biggest pieces is a lack of empathy from the parent for an acceptance of the adult child's lived experience. What I most often hear from the adult, adult children is they'll say, I'm sorry that, that you were hurt, but I didn't mean to hurt you. That's not my perspective, those types of things. And when you're in a, in a stance of listening 
um, with empathy for a child, whether it's a five-year-old child, a 15-year-old child, a 35-year-old child, or I'm here to tell you I'm 52 years old, a 55-year-old child. Um, Listening from that point uh, with having empathy is just to listen and try to understand and put yourself in their shoes without trying to explain things or, you know, give reasons why you did what you did or didn't do what you didn't do, things like that. Um, So a lack of empathy for and acceptance of their lived experience. Um, The second biggest thing I I get um, often from estranged adult children is this expectation of of blind obedience. And when I say obedience, I don't mean in you need to take care of me. You need to, you know, go pay my bills. You need to, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the blind obedience of because I raised you, you now owe me, right? You owe me this level of contact, this level of whatever. Um, and so what I would encourage parents to think about, again, through a lens of curiosity is How do I feel when someone has this expectation of me? That I, regardless of how I feel about anything, that I should be doing A, B, or C. How would I feel if someone placed that expectation on me? So that's the second thing. And the, the next thing I hear often um, is a, an emotionally absent parent. And that can be in a variety of ways, as, as I'll get into a little bit later. Um, but the, the um, an emo- emotionally absent parent can be anything from, from being withdrawn and, and not, you know, being overly affectionate or... Um, compassionate and concerned about the emotions of the child um, to being totally emotional about their own stuff, but again, not for the child and everything in between. Um, a really a parent who's especially driven or has high expectations of themselves or their children um, are oftentimes not emotionally present um, because it's all about the status or the, the, gains in life, um, and prestige and, um, things like that. And I have to also say, as just kind of segueing back to, to the estranged adult, um, estranged parents is I oftentimes hear too, they had a great life. We gave them everything. We gave them, um, you know, trips and they had all the, the, the best clothes and they went to the best schools and they did all, all of those are things they're not felt emotions. And as in with anything in life, as if we look back, you know, back when my parents, I mean, I'm 52 years old, my parents are in their late 70s. Um, when my parents were, were young, you know, the world doesn't look like it did back then. Things evolve and things change. And I'm here to tell you that you're estranged adult ch- children are have they've grown up in a different generation their um their way of being in the world is very different from your way of being in the world when you were their age or even now and so it's it's really important to 
continue with the times, continue to move forward, continue to explore, continue to learn. Um, and so, so anyway, those are the three things that I hear most often is, you know, yeah, my parents gave, gave us everything in, under the sun, except hugs or except, you know, out of girls and out of boys. And, um, or even if they gave the out of boys and out of girls, sometimes that came with, oh, that's an excellent, that's so glad you got a B plus next time work a little harder for that A, because I know you can do it. And it just negates it negates the positive of the B plus, um, and so those are the, those are some of the the things that um, are hurtful for them, and oftentimes they tell me that they've ta- tried to talk about it with the parent, um, and and get little to no to nowhere with that. So again, that's from their perspective, um, and then the third piece here today is. Um, kind of my perspective on estrangement. Um, I think estrangement is a symptom of a much deeper and larger issue or issues. I don't think that, um, it's any, all, all of these things, mental illness or the gatekeeper or, you know, um, those types of things. I just don't think that that's like the label but how, how did they get there? How did they get there? And that's what I want to kind of talk about today. Um, for me, I see, I see several different things. Um, and, and I've listed uh, today, I'll go over the, the top three things that I see when I'm talking about and, and connecting with parents about reasons for um, estrangement and maybe what's driving the behavior of their children. Again, I'm not a therapist. This is strictly my own experiences and my own um, research and things like that. So um, the first one is um, birth psychology. And I know that this is something that is relatively new. Um, So for those parents who are probably my age and older, um, it's probably something you've never heard of before. Um, but there is a, um, a professional association called APA, and it's the Association for Pre and Perinatal Psychology and Health. Um, and birth psychology, according to APA, is a field of study that explores the lifelong impacts of our earliest conscious awareness beginning in the womb. Um, our pregnancy, birth, and attachment experiences have ongoing and cascading effects on shaping our adult lives. And so just a little bit about this is, um, you know, the stressors of mom when she's pregnant, um, baby picks up on those things. And while we think that babies are clean slates when they come out of the womb, they're not. They, they come here with intent and purpose and, um, they have a psychology that is happening and, and is happening in the, in the womb. And even some people believe before that. So some of the things that they've experienced in when in the womb in their delivery process, things like that stay with us. Um, I've done this through some psychology work, um, for myself, um, and doing lifespan integration. Some of you may be familiar with that term. Um, and so anyway, I think that some things in our adult lives come as a result of our um, 
our time in the womb and our births. Um, another thing is um, an emerging uh, area of scientific research, which is called epigenetics. Um, and it shows how um, environmental influences, aka children's experiences, um, actually affect the expression of their genes. Um, so this new scientific research shows um, that environmental influences can actually affect whether and how genes are expressed. Um, in fact, scientists um, have discovered that early experiences can determine how genes are actually turned on and off, and even whether some are expressed at all. Um, thus, um, the old ideas that genes are quote-unquote set in stone or that they alone determine development, um, that it's been disproven. Nature versus nurture is no longer a debate. It's almost always nearly both. So that's another piece. Um, and so I would encourage you to look, at, look up some more information on epigenetics. Um, and just as a side note, I, all of this information, I'll have links in the show notes um, so that you'll, you can um, look up some of this stuff on your own if, if you're interested. And the third piece is um, the ACE study, uh, and um, a piece of information from the C- I mean, the CDC uh, recognizes the ACE study, and the ACE study is adverse childhood experiences, um, and they can have a tremendous impact on um, future violence, victimization, and perpetration, and lifelong health and opportunity. Um, and the CDC works to understand um, ACEs and to prevent them. Um, So in in looking through these different lenses um, that I tend to look look at things through, I'm always looking for the why, like I said. Um, And I tend to look at things through through different different lenses, through different professionals outside of the world of estrangement. I'm looking at the psychology world and and things like that. Um, And one of those lenses that I tend to look through is... um, the lens of vulnerability. Um, And Dr. Brene Brown, um, she's a researcher who studies courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy. Um, And I came across uh, one of her, um, I don't know, I've listened to a ton of her talks on YouTube, um, read all of her books, and, um, but I came across one time her definition of narcissism. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so spot on. Um, again, we go with the definition, uh, we go with this title, this label um, that we're slapping on people, uh, we're slapping on parents, and parents are slapping on children. Um, and But when I look at it through the vulnerability lens that Dr. Brene Brown looks at it through, she says, I see shame-based fear of being ordinary. I see the fear of never feeling extraordinarily, extraordinary enough to be noticed, to be lovable, to belong, or to cultivate a sense of purpose. And again, this is not, she's not talking about, oh, well, we took them on, you know, every year we went to Paris on vacation. That's not what she's talking about. She's talking about the emotional piece of raising children. Um, and for, for this definition, I mean, it's not just doesn't apply to children, it applies to everyone. Um, and then um, there's also a book out that estranged adult children 
tend to read often and I um, bought this book myself, read this book myself and um, totally agree with it. Um, and it's the title of the book is Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting or Self-Involved Parents. And that is by Dr. Lindsay Gibson. Um, and she kind of goes through four, she has four different types of parents that she talks about in part of this book. Um, and the first one is the emotional parent who instills feelings of instability and anxiety. Um, you know, again, parents say, I didn't, I didn't, you know, my kids were raised in a good home and they, you know, we didn't have any violence and we didn't have, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I always wonder, but did, were they raised in an emotionally healthy home? And that makes the difference. A parent can be a really good parent, but be either emotionally absent or overly emotional or overly emotionally attached to the children because let's say, for example, they have a spouse that's not emotionally available to them. And so the parent leans heavily on the children for their emotional um, stability and, and feel the feelings of worth and value. Um, so that that's one. The other one is the driven parent who stays busy trying to perfect everything and everyone. You know, again, that's the, oh, the B plus is really good, but next time let's try for that A. Um, that's the driven parent. Um, the other parent is the passive parent who avoids dealing with anything upsetting. Um, and that was, that was my mother. You know, I, I wasn't raised in a home that had violence and, you know, abuse and alcoholism and drug addiction. Like I wasn't raised around any of that. Um, and my children weren't raised with a lot of that. I mean, they were raised with a parent who yelled a lot and screamed a lot and things like that. But I wasn't, you know, I, my mom was the one who was not wanting, you know, she wanted to brush everything under the rug and just go on and keep the peace. Um, so that can have a devastating effect. It, it had a devastating effect on me. I was the kid who wanted answers. I wanted to know why. I was throwing fits and temper tantrums because no one would listen to me. My mom was like, just shh, just hush. Just be happy with the way things are. Don't question, don't rock the boat, was basically what she was saying to me. And I just could not understand it. And so I felt emotionally like I wasn't worthy of being heard. And I now know through my own work that basically what was happening is that my mom wasn't ready to deal with her own stuff. And so because she wasn't ready to deal with her stuff, she couldn't deal with my stuff. And so for me, that turned into, I didn't feel worthy and valuable. The places that I sought worth and value was at work. And I still do that today. I worked 55 hours last week and four days because I'm quote unquote hustling for my worth all the time because I didn't get it at home. Not that that led to estrangement per se, but I think it feeds into it, right? Um, and then the other, the last type of parent she describes is the rejecting parent who was withdrawn, dismissive, and derogatory. Um, I was, I was a bit of a rejecting parent to my children. I'm growing up because I just didn't, I didn't have that for myself. Um, and you know, being again, inclusive and, and a part of, and things like that. And so I rejected, did a lot of rejection in my life. 
So I hope that, you know, I, I want to try to wrap this up. It's getting kind of long today, but I'm hoping that you're, you will kind of be able to read between the lines of what I'm talking about here. I kind of, it, it all kind of boils down to this. If you have, um, if you've read anything about, um, you know, children who, and I'm not saying this is your child. I'm not saying this is you. I'm using this as an example, a metaphor of, so to speak. If you've learned um, anything about kids who join gangs, right? They're not joining the gang because they like violence and they like the drug use and they like the crazy music or what have you. That's not why they're joining a gang. They're joining a gang to feel a sense of family, a sense of value, feeling valued, a sense of purpose. These people are going to give me a purpose and a place in this world. These people are going to protect me. They love me for me because I'm acting out and I'm being wild and crazy and they love me for for that. They're not trying to change me. This is what the child perceives. Now, those of us who haven't lived in that world and have read a little bit about that and or studied that we all, we we know that that's not what's actually happening but that's how the child feels so we've got to get to the feelings before we can help and and work towards reconciliation this is what this is the work that i had to do to get to be able to reconcile with my children i had to get to their feelings i had to deal with my own first because I couldn't get to theirs without dealing with my own because I was always triggered. So every time I would think about their stuff, it would trigger me and I'd be like, screw them. If they want something to change, they can change. And that was, I was being triggered. So I had to deal with my own feelings and emotions first. And then I was able to deal with their feelings and emotions without expecting them to hear mine. Right? There's a power play at hand between parents and children. And regardless of the ages, you will always, as a parent, you will always inherently hold that power because you are the parent. And so it's never going to be equal. It's never going to be a, a relationship of being equal. But you can build a relationship where you can honor their feelings and honor your own have boundaries, allow them to have their boundaries, and perhaps come back together, have a healthier relationship between one another, and be able to exist in a world where you can experience joy and hope again. And if that means doing that without your children in in your life, you can still come to a place where you can have hope and joy again. There's always going to be a, a piece of your heart if you're if you are not able to reconcile with your children. There will always be a piece of your heart that will remain in grief and sadness. But that piece of your heart does not have to overtake everything else in your heart. And that's the goal. Right? The goal is to heal and we have to start with ourselves. So, okay. Um that brings this episode number 12 to a close. 
Um, again, I hope that this time together with you, um, you feel was well spent and that you're able to find some takeaway nuggets um, to help you on your journey where um, wherever you may be on your um, estrangement or reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing this podcast with others, and perhaps leaving a positive review. You can leave those reviews um, uh, on Apple, on Spotify. Um, And um, we are also on Instagram, The Estranged Heart, as well as Facebook, The Estranged Heart. Um, And so we would would love to to hear your feedback. Um, And lastly, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast, anonymously or not, please reach out via email at theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Again, theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Until next time.